welcome to the Badass Writers Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Fox. My main goals with running this podcast are to make new writers feel less alone and to share knowledge so that we can all learn and grow as writers. Writing a book is so much more layered than you realize going into it. There's so much to learn, there's so much that goes into it behind the scenes, and there's a lot that we can learn from each other. So on this show, I've welcomed a range of guests, writers who haven't yet published a book, self and indie published authors, and traditionally published authors. I've also welcomed industry professionals such as agents and editors. Coming up soon, I'm going to be joined by the CEO of a small publishing house. No matter what stage you're in, there may be some nerves involved. Even if you've done 50 interviews, 100 interviews, you might still not particularly enjoy them and you might get anxious. Many of my guests have expressed that they are a little nervous and I see part of my role as a podcast host as trying to calm those nerves. So today I'm just going to go over what you can expect as a guest on Badass Writers. I'm not sure if it's similar to other podcast shows and maybe you can reach out and let me know what you like as a guest or how your experience could be improved based on other shows you've been on. But here's the process that I generally follow from start to finish. I typically get a message on Twitter or Instagram or from the contact form on my website, either from the writer or author themselves or their publicist asking about being a guest on the podcast. And sometimes I will approach you. In most cases, I'll have the guest fill out a Google form that tells me a little bit more about you, and it also helps me keep things organized on my end. After that, I connect via email, if we haven't already, and we set up a date and time for the interview. At some point before the interview, I have the author send me a third-person bio and an author photo for the graphics that I create, unless, of course, these things are available on the author's media kit. If you don't have a media kit, I'll take you through what that is in just a few minutes. So then I send out questions prior to the interview, so the guest has a little more time to prepare their answers ahead of time. I think this is one of the most crucial aspects in interview preparation. I've had a lot of guests come back and say how helpful that was and how much they appreciate that. If you're like me, you might not think as well on your feet as you can on paper. I know for myself, I appreciate the opportunity to think about what I'm going to say beforehand. Otherwise, I'm sitting there going, uh, and I stutter, and there's uncomfortable and awkward silence, and I inevitably do think of something great to say after the interview is over, of course. So I think one of my greatest fears as a future traditionally published author is doing an interview where I'm asked a bunch of questions out of the blue. I'm sure it'll happen but I'm not really the greatest at thinking of answers to things on the spot. I get nervous even thinking about this possibility, and I hope it never happens. Putting myself out there to interview at all is a big step for me, an introvert, but not being able to prepare ahead of time is very daunting. So I hear you, fellow introverts, and I try to ease that anxiety as much as I can for you. So on the day of the interview, we connect via Zoom. I use Zoom because it's easy for everyone to use, and that allows me to record the audio. I don't need the video, so if we don't have cameras on, that's okay. If you are okay with me using a little video clip, I might do that, but so far I haven't really done that. I used to record the intro separately, but I've recently begun recording the bio during the interview. For one thing, this makes it sound better on the recording. Secondly, it's a nice segue into the conversation. 
Third, I think authors probably appreciate hearing their introduction. And lastly, it gives me the opportunity to correct something if I've mispronounced a name, for example. The guest can correct me, and I can start that sentence again, and no one in the audience is the wiser because I edit out the mistakes. I welcome you to the show, and then we start with the questions. If we're on camera, which again is not mandatory by any means, so if you're more comfortable with the camera off, that's absolutely fine with me. It does make it a little easier in terms of visual cues to know when someone is finished talking, but again, not mandatory. We can think of it like having a phone conversation. But if we're on camera, you'll see me either looking to the side if I'm using my other screen or looking down at my notes because I cannot conduct an interview without my notes. I forget things easily, especially when I'm quote unquote live with something. So I need to see the questions I've composed so I don't miss anything. Sometimes I might think of other questions as we go. So there is always that chance that there will be unexpected questions, but they're usually very organic because of what we're talking about anyway. So it's usually not something that you'll need to sit there and think about before answering. Don't worry about messing up and don't worry if you can't think of the right thing to say. If it comes down to it, I can edit out the question entirely, or if you want to start again, that's okay too. I am very easygoing. I understand we all make mistakes when we're talking. Hell, I even do it myself probably more than you realize. At the end of the interview, I usually ask if there's anything you want to talk about that I didn't mention, and if there is, we talk about that. And then I thank you for joining me, and then we wrap up. And that's pretty much it. I try and let you know when your episode will be airing, but this is never a guarantee because sometimes I have to move things around to accommodate a book launch or something else that's happening. I do my interviews quite a bit in advance, especially going towards the summer because I don't do the interviews in the summer. So I usually schedule them until about the end of June. And then I have those ones come out over the course of the summer. I like to have lots of time to edit and prepare the episode. So there's probably going to be in most circumstances uh, at least a few weeks, so maybe in a, even a month or two. Some of them, when I first started, were quite a bit before because I had to kind of build up an inventory of interviews. Something you may have heard me say on the podcast before is that it's all pretty new to me. If you had told me a year ago that I'd be hosting a podcast, I would have laughed at you because public speaking is so not my thing. I'm not good at striking up conversations. I get nervous when talking with strangers, etc. Hopefully that doesn't come through when I chat with each of my guests. I had a desire to start a podcast last year, but I didn't know if I'd be able to overcome that fear of public speaking. And no, this isn't like getting up on a stage in front of hundreds of people because I'm talking with one person at a time and my listeners are all individual people listening at individual times. But there still is that pressure and I will say that the longer I do this, the less scary it is. It's really about connecting with people that share the same passion for writing that I have. So when I'm talking to other authors or industry professionals, we're all passionate about the writing in one form or another. So we have that common ground, and that's an automatic icebreaker. Connecting, sharing knowledge, talking about the process, learning what works and what doesn't for each person, and how that could help you as a writer... Doing this gives new writers the chance to dip their toes into the world of interviews, if you've never done one before. Because if your goal is to be published, and if you want to successfully publish, let's face it, you're going to have to do interviews. It's part of the marketing process. Readers will want to know about you and your books and your writing process. Other writers will want to learn about 
your writing journey and the experiences you've had and maybe figure out how they can apply those successes to their own careers. And one of the best ways you can do that for others, which is also helping you in a business sense, is by doing interviews. And I say business sense because writing a book and publishing that book and earning an income, however big or small, as an author is essentially running a small business. You have to treat it that way in order to be successful. And so doing things to help spread the word about your book and your your work is essential to that success. More and more people are listening to podcasts. They're super popular. They're a great way to get information out there. So it's also a great way to get yourself out there. One more quick thing that I mentioned earlier is media kits. If you don't know what that is, it's essentially a place on the internet where you or your publicist has up-to-date information about you, your books, your website, your bio, author photos, past and upcoming events, frequently asked interview questions, etc. So that someone like me, who is conducting an interview, can access the information that I need. It saves time on the part of the author or publicist so they don't have to keep sending the same information over and over and over again. If you have one, or if you're planning on building one, make sure you keep it up to date so interviewers have the most accurate information. So in a nutshell, that is it. That's how I run my little show here in podcast land. And I thank each and every one of you for listening. I thank each and every one of my guests for coming on and chatting and helping me make this successful. And I can't wait to talk to more of you for future episodes. I will say that I'm already booking into October and November now. So that's quite a few months into the future. So I definitely have a full roster of guests and I'm so excited to bring you their stories and successes and their challenges so that you can learn from those too. I'm also planning on having lots of industry professionals come onto the show here and there. So stay tuned for those. Those are really exciting and it really helps to demystify the publishing process, whether that's traditionally publishing or indie publishing. I would absolutely love it if you could subscribe to the show and leave a review for me. That would be so hugely appreciated. It really helps boost badass writers and lets it be found by others who might benefit from hearing the things I talk about and the interviews I do with these fabulous people. And if there's anything you'd love to hear about on the show, please reach out and let me know either on Twitter, Instagram, or my website, and I'll put those links in the show notes, of course. So speaking about newer writers, today I'm going to chat with Ashley Duggar. She's busy at work on her second manuscript. She's not a published author yet, yet being the keyword there. And she took the leap to inquire about being on the show. And I think it's amazing that she did that. We'd previously connected on Twitter quite a while ago, and it was a pleasure getting to chat with her about where she's at in her writing journey. I love connecting with people that I have previously connected with only in Twitter land or on Instagram or something like that. It's really great to get to know them face to face, even though we are miles apart. I know from connecting with Ashley that she's an avid listener of the shit no one tells you about writing. She takes the courses, she attends the webinars, she engages with other writers. She's doing all the right things to set herself up for success. And so kudos to Ashley for doing all those things and putting yourself out there. So today's guest is Ashley Duggar. She's a journalist turned researcher and digital marketer. While she's always had a passion for storytelling, she now prefers to write about happily ever afters instead of the day's crime headlines. Now working on her first manuscript, Ashley lives in Atlanta, Georgia with her one-year-old Labradoodle, 
who would always rather be at the dog park. That's adorable. (laughs) So you've been writing for a long time. Some of that is from a journalism perspective. Some of it's now from a fiction perspective. And you've been busy working on your first fiction manuscript. So what made you decide to move from journalism and, and crime headlines to fiction writing? Yeah, so I've always enjoyed fiction writing ever since I was like, in middle school, like I would have my journal stay up way past my bedtime, like under the covers, like writing um, just, you know, short stories or whatever. And I'm sure I thought they were masterpieces and they were probably terrible. I don't, I don't think I saved those journals. So that's probably a good thing. Um, (laughs) So I've always enjoyed fiction writing and I thought that the best way to put my writing skills to use was to go into journalism. And that was like my dream ever since I was like eight years old, I was like, I want to be a news anchor. I want to like do all of the news stuff. Like I was obsessed with it. And then, you know, I worked in the industry for about six, seven years, I think six years and about five and a half of those years, four and a half of those years was working overnight. Um, Mm. And after a while, when you're working those kind of hours and, you know, I was writing every day, but I hadn't done any fiction writing in years because I was just so tired all the time. I was so tired from working overnights. I just had no creative energy because I was like, I spend literally like six to eight hours a day writing all day long. Like, why would I come home and write even more? So then when I left, when I left the news industry, I really like had lost a dream. And I was like, I don't know what to do now. And I ended up like going to my therapist and being like, I like need help, like trying to figure this out. And, you know, after talking with her, you know, I remembered, I was like, ever since I was a kid, like I've wanted to write a book. And so I just started like absorbing all of the information that I could. And it finally, like, as I started learning more, I was like, this is, this feels like it could be real. Like, it feels like it's something that I could actually achieve. And I'm not trying to like speak like highly of my own skills. I'm just like, there were steps. Like I saw that there were steps that I could take. And I was like, if I take this one step at a time, I might be able to get there with the right help and the right people along the way. So that's kind of like what brought me to where I am today, (laughs) the point that I'm at. That actually sounds like a smart way to do it. (laughs) Because for me, for example, and I think there's probably a lot of other writers out there too, we just kind of I don't know. I dove right in. <laughs> I I did used to write when I was little as well and into my teens and all of that. And it's something that I always wanted to do. But then, you know, life happened and I went on a different path and, and whatever else. And by the time I came back to it, I just started writing. I wrote a whole book before I really learned what those steps were. And I kind of did it along the way, I guess. So that sounds like probably a, a more well thought out way to do it. <laughs> I don't good. know if it was well thought out necessarily. It's just kind of the way it happened, but yeah. I'm like, I'm just yeah. rolling with it at this point. Nice. Well, all that matters is regardless of whatever path we take, we're here now. Right. So mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. How do you think your career in journalism and all of that has prepared you to be a fiction? Like more specifically, do you think that you'll take some of what you learned or what you were writing in a in a journalism way and apply it to your fiction writing? The biggest thing that I learned from journalism that helps me now is the use of language, making things concise, 
So I worked in broadcast news rather than like print journalism. So there were times I would have 20 seconds for a story. So it's like, how do I tell a complete story start to finish in 20 seconds? And so, and then other times I would have uh, a minute 45 or two and a half minutes. So it like, it really depended on the story. It was really a lot of like playing with, with language and with, you know, quotes that we would get from interviews and things like that. And I think it taught me a lot how to manipulate language that still tells the complete story in an interesting way. Also like the problem solving aspect. I used to describe my job to people as um, I'm a professional problem solver because I had an hour and a half show that I produced. And so it was like one giant puzzle where you're like, okay, how do these stories fit together? They're all different lengths. How do we like get this to fit into the the time allotted? So I think, especially with like fiction writing, fiction writing is kind of like solving a lot of problems. You create the problems, but you also have to solve them. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I think that that's also like, those are probably like the two biggest things. If I... I hadn't learned these like in this way, I would probably be struggling more with that now than I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those are two really important aspects. Being concise. That's a big one, right? Because a lot of the learning when you're, when you're just going into fiction writing is you kind of write, you, people tend to overwrite is what I'm getting at. So learning how to be more concise and more, you know, like shorten it down, but don't lose any of the integrity of the story. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a, I had a manager who would, when I was just training to be a producer, I was a production assistant at the time. So when I was just training to be a producer, he would read through my scripts and like critique them. And he would, I, so I knew I'm like, I know that if I repeat this phrase or if, you know, like nodding the head, like you can only nod one way. So if I put like nod, you know, nodded his head or something like he would like cross that out. So I just like train myself to like watch out for that. And I would always think of like, okay, like if the manager would cross this out, then I don't need it. Like, I don't need this word here. So even when I'm writing now, I still think that I still have that mindset. (laughs) And where are you at with the drafting process now? So it's funny when we set up this interview, I was working on a different manuscript at the time. Oh, <laughs> um, I know I have, I haven't abandoned it, but I got another idea and I, I consulted with my writing group before I started this idea, but it was one that I got really excited about. I was up till like four in the morning one night. I had like 10 pages of notes. I had so many notes and I was like, I have to start on this. I've never had that experience before with working on a story. And so it was very exciting. So with my last manuscript in about eight months, I had 20,000 words um, or six months, probably not eight months, six months. With this one, I've been working on it for a month and a half and I have 17,000 words. So Mm -hmm. I'm already working at a much faster pace with this one. And it's a much different process than anything I've worked on before, but it's been working for me and I'm enjoying it. So. That's the important part, I think. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So what is your process? Like, do you, it sounds like you outline, like, do you do a full outline and then you go, or are you just kind of, you know, you don't really know what direction it's going and you just kind of write or, or what's your process? So up until this point, I had been a pantser and I'm just like, because I'm one of those people, I can get real bogged down in the research phase where 
And even then it's not really research. They're like rom-coms or rom-com ish. So it's like, there's not a whole lot of research. (laughs) That's, I mean, there is some, but not a ton, but I'm one of those people where I'll just spend this entire time learning and just put off things and get to a point where I'm like, I just need to write this time. I had a much better idea of where my story started, where it ended and things that happened in the middle. Um, So I have never done this before, but for this one, I wrote a query and a synopsis first thing before I even wrote a word on the page. That's awesome. Um, Yeah. So I did that. And even now it's already changed so much from the synopsis. The query is still pretty similar but it's already changed so much from the synopsis just based on, you know, brainstorming with my writing group and stuff like that, but it still has the same like heart of the story. So I don't feel like, you know, I can still turn to my synopsis if I need like, okay, what do I need to write next? Or what's my inspiration next or something. So it's good to have that for me for like an idea of where I'm still going. I think that's the problem that I had been running into before was I just didn't know where I was going. I didn't know what needed to happen next. I didn't pacing was just like thrown out the window. Cause I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Whereas this one, I have a better idea of who my characters are when I started better idea of where the story's going, what the character arc is. It's been a more chaotic, but also a more organized process at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it totally makes sense. I understand. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, That's something that I recommend to people as well is to write the query letter and the synopsis first, because even if it does change along the way, you still have that. You can go back to it for, like you said, your inspiration, kind of to remind yourself what the original thought process was. And, you know, if you get off track, then you're like, oh, yeah, that's what I wanted to do. Or, you know, it can change. It probably will change, especially with the synopsis. But it can just kind of refresh, you know, maybe there's some areas that you still want to incorporate. So Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's good to have that and to just to have it to motivate you and to kind of re-inspire what those original ideas were. And then, and then, yeah, just kind of go from there, but keeping in mind, of course, that it is okay to change, you know, you don't have to stick to that exact original idea, right? Yeah. That's awesome. Can you give us a little bit of a premise? So I even wrote what would be like my Twitter pitch for it. And it's essentially a a former body double is mistaken for the actress that she used to work with by, you know, Hollywood's new, new hunk, new leading man, new bachelor, whatever, uh, whatever word you choose to put there. And she, that no one knows where the actress went. She kind of like, after the show that she was on when she was kid ended, no one knows where she went. So the waitress diner who used to work with the actress, but no longer does basically assumes the actress's life. And so that's kind of the general idea. It's very like waitress meets La La Land with like a mistaken identity in there as well. Yeah. Uh, So it's, that's kind of the general idea. I, I have it more succinct somewhere else, but (laughs) (laughs) it sounds interesting. It sounds like she could get into all kinds of trouble. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's the idea. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, and is it a rom-com? Undecided. I think it's going to have the tone of a rom-com, but it's probably going to veer more into the women's fiction category. 
but that's that's one of the things that I'm like to be determined at one point I was like this could be a thriller if I wanted it to be like the my very first pass at like the opening chapter very much had thriller vibes and I was like I don't know if this is the vibe I'm going for but I'm gonna save this just in case (laughs) yeah yeah you could kind of go in any direction with that with that premise yeah um and what are your publishing goals when when do you see yourself finishing it and what are your goals with it that's a great question. Um, I, I mean, I would love to be traditionally published. That's like the dream, like the one that you have when you're a little kid, like I want a book at Barnes and Noble and at libraries and things like that. I am hoping, so I have like my writing plan that's set to end in September. End of September is when my goal for my first draft is I'm a little behind on that because life gets crazy and I'm moving right now, <laughs> oh. but it's, it's a process. So I'm a, I'm a little behind, but I will catch up. I know that I will. Um, so my, I'm hoping to get through the first draft by the end of September and then start the editing, hopefully have editing done by the end of the year. And then I can start doing beta readers at the beginning of next year and getting more feedback um, before I move forward anymore. Yeah. So nice. So hopefully by mid 2023, I can start querying, but yeah, it'd be great if I could do that sooner. <laughs> it's a process. <laughs> I know it feels so far away, but at the same time, I'm like, if I skip a step or if I rush a step, like I know I'm not going to do the story any justice. Mm-hmm. Um, I I've told my writing this, my writing group, this too, like, I believe in this story so strongly that I'm like, I don't want to rush it. (laughs) Yeah. That's smart though. I mean, I think that is probably a common thing is to rush through it. And even if you don't intentionally rush through it, um, you know, skipping steps and that, and even, you know, like when I finished my first one, I finished my first draft. I'm like, oh my goodness, I can start querying now. I'll have a couple of people beta read it and maybe maybe do a couple of revisions and it's good to go. And so that process was rushed because I was so excited and impatient and and now I'm doing things differently. But yeah. I think I think that's a common thing though. I mean, it it is an exciting place to be and and to to get out those queries and to, you know, Yes, there's going to be rejection, but at least there's some action happening. As someone who hasn't been able to query yet, because I haven't been at that stage, I'm like, I see, I see the tweets of like people, you know, they're query, they're in the query trenches. And it's like, I know, I know the pain that awaits me there, but like at least I'll have done the thing. I'll have written, <laughs> I'll yeah. have written the book at that point. I try not to be one of those people that's like, I just want to get the next thing. I just want to get the next thing. Yeah. But I'm like, I can't get anywhere if I can't finish a draft. And so like my focus, I'm like, I have got to like buckle down and get this draft done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. And yeah, don't rush through it. Like you, like you said, you're not rushing through it. You're taking, taking the right steps. It sounds like. So Along the way, what sort of things have you found helpful? It sounds like you have a writing group, which is fantastic. Yes, I do have a writing group, which has been like my saving grace. I look forward to meeting with them. We only meet once a month, but I look forward to it every month. And like after our meetings end, I'm like, dang it, I have to wait another month. (laughs) Um, But we're, you know, we're constantly bouncing ideas off each other and brainstorming. And if one of us is down, we'll encourage each other. 
it's been really helpful to have that accountability. So I, yeah, so my writing group, and then, I mean, the first, the the thing that started it all was I had started listening to the podcast that we all know and love the shit. No one tells you about writing. Um, (laughs) and I started listening to that at the end of 2020, it was probably like in November, December. And I binged every episode in two days. And that was the first time where I, I realized everything that I didn't know about the industry. And I just like, could not learn enough. And so I just started like absorbing all the information that I could. And that's when I was like, okay, there are steps that I can take. Yeah. So that, I, that was the game changer. That's how I found my writing group. That's when I started being more active on Twitter again and getting involved in the writing community and stuff like that. And it's been, it's been amazing. It's been Mm -hmm. amazing. Yeah. I think a lot of people probably feel the same way (laughs) about that podcast. I think once you start, once you find something like that and you find this resource, that's like incredible and you learn and you learn and you learn it. Like once that door is open, it's like floodgates, right? And you just, you just want to keep learning and there's always more to learn. There's, there's never, there's never like, there's never going to be that point where you're like, okay, yeah, I'm done learning now. Cause there's always more. Yeah. And, and yeah, I've learned a lot from that podcast as well. And um, I mean, it started with Bianca and now Carly and Cece, and I think they're doing so much for the writing community in general. And it's, it's yeah. fantastic. I love it. And I had never even I'd never seen a query letter before. I'd never, never known, like even I knew kind of what a query letter was. I knew nothing, like (laughs) absolutely nothing. Now I can write my own query letters for books that don't fully exist yet. Yeah. Yay. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I remember the first time Carly and Cece were on the podcast and I was like listening to them read query letters. And I was like, I would have never known. I would have never known. Yeah. That's awesome. And now, you know, so it's, it's now great. I know, now I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then what about things like courses or webinars or conferences or the writing community, things like that? I see you on Twitter and Instagram. Is there, do you have a preference? Instagram is more of just like my life. I do talk about writing on there, but I'm, that's more just things that are happening in my life. Twitter, I use more for writing. Although sometimes that's stuff that happens in my life too. But most of the time, <laughs> Twitter is what I turn to, to like actually connect with other writers. I keep Twitter open like while I work. And that's a habit that I developed when I worked in news because I had all of my like news organizations organized on Twitter. Um, so like if something happened at three in the morning, I would see it and could put it into my show or whatever. So I, I feel like I keep Twitter open more out of habit because I'm just used to it. But at the end of the day, that's where all the book love is. That's where, yeah. that's where everyone's complaining about writing or <laughs> celebrating their writing. And I'm just like, even people I don't know if they're like, I got an agent. I'm like, awesome. Congratulations. Good for you. I have no idea who you are, but awesome. I'm so yeah. happy. Yeah, that's where all the support and and complaining goes on. Exactly. <laughs> but we're exactly. all there doing it together. So <laughs> yep, exactly. One one big happy family. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what sort of challenges have you met along the way? Is there anything that you can specifically point out that has been a real a struggle to get through? The 
biggest one I think is finding my process has been just a lot of trial and error. And sometimes I'm like, I feel like I'm just going in circles, like trying the same things over and over. But like I said, with this manuscript I'm working on, this process has been different, but it's been working for me. So I'm, I'm hoping that this is like, that this is the process <laughs> that like checks the box. That's like, that fits right into my life. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of clicks. So I think that's been hard. And then, I mean, I haven't finished a draft, so that, that could also be a challenge. <laughs> a lot of times it's, you know, getting from one big moment to the next, it's like, okay, after a big moment, what do you put in there? How do you move the story forward while also like letting your reader recover from this big emotional moment that happened in the previous chapter? So I think that's something I've started paying attention to when I read other books is Mm -hmm. like, okay, we just had this like really big, like bombshell moment. What's happening in the moments immediately after what's happening in the pages immediately after not in the moment, but in the pages. So I think that's, something that I've started paying attention to that it's like when you're reading for fun, you don't really think about it. But when you're trying to write those moments, you're like, wait, what, what do I do now? Mm -hmm. How do we get from here to, to this next big moment while still giving the reader a chance to breathe? Yeah. Yeah. I find that with reading, I'm reading a lot differently now. So I'm, I am analyzing even when I want to just read for fun. Like, and I, you know, I still enjoy the read, but I'm, I'm a, a lot more analytical now because I want to know, like I said, no matter how much you learn, there's always something else that you're going to find that you can learn from. Right. Right. So, so when I'm, when I'm reading, I'm definitely analytical <laughs> a lot more. Yes. Um, yes. Because definitely. I think that's a really, a really great way to, to learn for your own writing. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And so what authors have been inspiring for you in your writing? There are so many I could name. (laughs) I remember the first time I really paid attention to language and the use of language in telling a story was The Great Gatsby. I read that in college on my own. I like went through a phase in college where I read a bunch of books that are like classics that I felt like I should have read in high school, but didn't. Um, And that was one of them. And that was like, I think I finished it and then read it again immediately afterwards because just his like F Scott Fitzgerald's use of language. I was like, so in awe of in terms of more modern writers, I'm a huge fan of like Marcus Zusak, both the book thief and I am the messenger are like favorite lists recommend to people all the time. I'm a big John Green fan. If I need like a dose of inspiration or I feel like stuck in some way, I'll read poetry from Maya Angelou. Oh gosh, there's Josie Silver. Her rom-coms are so good. Like they make me cry. I reread, (laughs) I don't reread books often and I reread her books frequently. Yeah. (laughs) um, Those are also on the list of like favorites. (laughs) Yeah. If you could pick an author to mentor under, who would that be and why? That's so tough. Like, I feel like there's like a magical answer. So <laughs> there's no I, right or wrong answer. <laughs> um, so none of my answers like match the style of writing that I do. Cause I'm like John Green, Marcus Zusak, they're like, you know, YA they're, they're YA authors basically. Um, my, if I could choose someone to mentor under, it would be Neil Gaiman. 
And the reason being, besides the fact that he's just genius, is he has children's books, he has young adult books, he has adult books, and I am just like fascinated. And they're like, they're different genres. He just has such a wide, a wide lot collection of works that he's done. And all of them, like the children's books are just as good as the adult books. Like just, and I'm, I'm just in awe of that. Like I am working on a rom-com-ish women fiction story, but at the same time I have ideas for other genres. And so it's like, I'm just fascinated by how he's able to like span different genres from comedy to like dark fantasy. It's just, it's fascinating to me. If I were to go, if I were to choose someone to mentor under, under, you know, more of my own genre that I write in, it would be Christina Lauren, which is a duo, but you can't go wrong with their books. In my opinion, it's just like you pick one up and you know, you're going to have a good time. (laughs) It's going to be fun. You know how it's going to end. It's just the best. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's just the best. There are so many writers that anyone could benefit from mentoring under, whether it's your genre or not. Like, I mean, if it's a duo, then, hey, you get two brains to pick from, right? Right. <laughs> That'd be great. Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> Work in the system. Yeah. <laughs> what are you reading right now? That's, that's also a long answer. I, <laughs> I am always reading multiple books at once, um, usually in different formats. So at the moment, I'm reading Lord of the Rings, um, narrated by Andy Serkis. I am reading Little Women for the first time also. Have never read that, which my... I haven't read it either. (laughs) Yes. Okay. I'm not the only one. (laughs) I'm obsessed with the movie that came out a couple years ago. Like it's one of my like comfort movies. And I'm like, I should probably read this book at some (laughs) point. So I'm reading that for the first time. I just started Maisie Dobbs by Jacqueline Winspear. It's a whole mystery series. So I'm excited to start that. It's been really good so far. And then for ebook, I just started Loveless and Fancy Ships by Sarah Grunder Ruiz. So her sequel comes out later this year. So I'm like, I should read this one before yeah. the sequel comes out. <laughs> not sequel, like s- sister story. That's a lot of books. <laughs> I used to be one book at a time. I can't like, I can multitask on anything, but I can't multitask with books. But now, you know, I might have something that I have for a book review that I'm doing or, you know, something for, for an interview that's coming up or just reading for pleasure or whatever. So now I've got like, yeah, three or four books on the go. (laughs) And I'm, I constantly have ones they're almost always in different genres, like the ones that I have going, because I'm such a mood reader that I'm like, if I just want to be happy, I'm going to listen to my rom-coms. If I'm like on a long car ride or something, I'll probably listen to a fantasy story or something or a mystery mm-hmm. where I can just like yeah, think about the story, but also like turn my brain off and just kind of like mm-hmm. let things play out. So it's, yeah, I'm such a mood reader that it helps to have so many different options to choose from at once. (laughs) Yeah, makes sense. And I just got into audiobooks this January. Well, actually, when Bianca put her Prin Viper out, yes, (laughs) that's the first one that I ever got as an audiobook. And I enjoy it. But I, I have to, I don't know, just the way that I am, I have to be doing something all the time. So I, I can only have an audiobook going when I'm doing something that doesn't involve me, you know, typing in front of my computer or, or something like yes. that. I can do something mindless, like 
folding laundry or doing the dishes or something, right? Yes. For yeah. a while, my apartment was much cleaner when I first started listening to audiobooks because that's all I would do <laughs> when I listened to them was just clean. Cause I'm like, you can't really work while listening to an audiobook. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause you still need to pay attention to the story. And there have been stories that I'm like, if I ever read this, like in print form, I probably would have like absorbed more than I did, mm-hmm. but it is what it is. So lastly, what are some tips that you can offer to other writers who are in that difficult drafting stage and who are seeing all these people who are querying and, and getting somewhere? How would you encourage writers who might be feeling like they're either falling behind or they're just, they can't catch up or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, first I would say there's no such thing as falling behind or catching up. Yeah. Um, I think that that's something I have to tell myself all the time as someone, again, who looks at other querying writers and it's like, oh, I wish I was there. But <laughs> I'm also fully aware that like everyone's journey is different. Everyone's mm-hmm. journey is unique to the person, is a unique situation. And no two journeys look the same. Everyone's going to have a different number of rejections or a different experience querying. So I think I'm constantly reminding myself, like, it's not a race. It's a marathon, but it's not a race. Like, I don't have to, I don't have to beat anybody. I just have to take things one step at a time, get it done. Everybody's timeline is different. And, and sometimes life happens and, and things slow down and it's really easy to like beat yourself up and be like, oh my gosh, I didn't get my word count in today or this week or this month or whatever. But it's like, life happens still. So Mm -hmm. especially when you're just drafting, you know, you probably have another job or other responsibilities, you know, most adults do. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it's it's okay if some of those other responsibilities, you know, have to take precedence. But the important thing is that you, you don't pressure yourself, but you, you just stay the course. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just show up for yourself. And that's all that matters. Nobody else. You you don't have to, you don't have to impress anyone but yourself. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much for this. This was great. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for coming on and chatting with me. It's been awesome. I'm glad that we, we connected on Twitter and Instagram and, and that we had the chance to chat today. Yes, me too. So that is it for today's show. I hope you liked it. I hope you learned something. And if you're interested in coming on the podcast at all, let me know. Reach out on my website, www.kathleenfox.com. And there's a contact tab there. Or you can reach out to me on Twitter at underscore badass writers. Or if you're on Instagram, it's at badass writers underscore podcast. Do keep in mind that I am booking quite a few months ahead. So if you have a book that's coming out or there's something coming up that you'll want to discuss on the show, um, make sure you contact me early so that we can get you scheduled at the time that works best for you. And again, if you have ideas for something that you want to hear on the show, something that you'd like to learn more about in terms of writing and publishing, definitely let me know if you have someone that you would want to do an interview with like let's just say you have an agent and you'd like to talk with your agent on the show maybe about how you got your agent or how the query process went so that listeners can hear 
the author side and the agent side and see how all of that works on both ends. I'm totally open to that. So if that's you and your agent, definitely reach out and let me know. I would love to hear about it. And I'm sure my listeners would love to hear about it as well. Thanks again for listening. And as always, keep being badass.